You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hello and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I am Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. Welcome back for week two of Pride Month, where we're celebrating the history and the fun and getting sunburnt going to Pride because it was really <laughs> hot yesterday when we went. <laughs> it was. Last week we talked about before Stonewall, and this week we're going to talk about after Stonewall. So from 1969 to 1999 when this documentary was released. It's an hour and 28 minutes long. We found it on Tubi. And it's directed by John Scagliotti, which was one of the producers of the Before Stonewall production. Yeah, I found this one really interesting because this is of our time, right? Like in the 90s and the late 80s. And I don't remember. I mean, there's lots of it I do remember, but there's some of it that I don't remember. And I was really glad to hear some different perspectives. And I just don't remember it being... A time of that many protests, but I think that's just because I live in the Midwest and we're just too polite. <laughs> yeah. You know, we just ask politely and then get frustrated when nothing changes. 100%. But I think also because we were young enough that it did not affect our lives, we weren't part of that community at the time. Therefore, yeah. when you're young, your perspective is the world's perspective in your eyes. And so until you get older and learn more, yeah, our world was a lot right. smaller. I remember a lot more of the anti-gay sentiment. I mean, that was really what was prevalent most around me, like that sort of the um, discussion for these difficult topics. Yeah. Yeah. This one was more difficult, surprisingly, because the first one they talk about getting the shit beat out of them just for being gay. This one was difficult in a different way because you're right. I do remember some of these things happening, which makes it hard to go back to that time. I also think it makes it hard because it feels like we haven't grown at all because in some ways we are right back to the same fights that we had 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Yeah. And it's amazing how parallel this is. So. So let's get into it. There are a lot of facts in this one. We'll try to kind of parse it down a little and just make it somewhat more entertaining, but it was a lot of information, but it was very well done. So. Okay. So we start with a guy named Craig Rodwell, who was... In the first episode of this, he was in the cast of Before Stonewall, Mm -hmm. and he's talking about Stonewall really was a trigger for what everybody had been waiting for, right? Like, it was a catalyst. People were moving kind of towards more activism once they saw that others were of like mind. Mm -hmm. In this documentary, I think it's really fun that Melissa Etheridge is the narrator. I don't think we got the name of the narrator in the last one. She was just almost a robotic phone voice. Yes. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Melissa Etheridge, great musician and artist and part of the community. So, yeah. Good choice. Sure. Yeah. There's Mike Carney, who is an officer, and he says he knew from very early in his life as a kid that he wanted to be a police officer. But he also knew that that came with um, the caveat that he wouldn't be able to kind of fully express himself and reveal what he calls his secret. So, you know, this is a time of repression still. 
Yeah, because even though it's a time of activism, it's still illegal to be gay. It's still legal for them to fire you for being gay. Mm -hmm. Peter Tatchell talks about in Australia in the 70s, when he first came out, it was illegal and you could get put in jail for quite a while just for being gay, which is just saying that sounds so fucking ridiculous to me. Right. Enforced psychiatric care. Let's not forget that part of it. So, right. I think we might be past chemical castration, but not far past that. Yes. Right. I do like that they spoke to Barney Frank in this documentary, who is a famous politician that is out. But he even talks about being Jewish and being closeted and sort of how that was part of his story earlier in his career until he decided to like go ahead and take a more of a stand. So I thought that was good that he was part of this. Cause I think he's a name that is in the story. Well, he is a name who's in the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they talk to a couple different people who are living almost dual lifestyles. Well, a lot of people at this time were living a dual lifestyle. So you have one life that you mm-hmm. live during the week around your coworkers, around your family. And Barbara Giddings was talking about on the weekends, that's when she would go to the city and she would go to the clubs and she would kind of be free to mm-hmm. live her life as she wanted to live it, but only on the weekends. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking. But at least she got a little bit of time, but still not enough. Mm-hmm. Renee Ogletree says the same thing through the week. She was a police social worker. And then on the weekend, she would go to the bars in New York city and have, you know, a time like, mm-hmm. and then there's uh, Dorothy Allison who discusses being very aware of a lot of the Baptist teachings that she was raised with. And she was certain that that would kill her, like whether it would be, you know, kind of the distance between her beliefs and her life or, may actually get her killed. I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but I was like, what a terrible um, burden to have to live with. Yeah. Yeah. And I Mm -hmm. misread Barbara Giddings. That was Renee Ogletree. My bad. Barbara is the one who talks about all the organizations. So they're starting the gay liberation front is starting. So you have organizations kind of popping up. This is a time of mobilizing a time of let's push forward, take this, action and keep the momentum going is what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have footage of Martha P. Johnson. Martha? No. Marsha <laughs> P. Johnson. Who right. most people know her name. She is she is said to have started the Stonewall Rights, but she has admitted that that was not her. It was other people, but she was there. She was part of it. A very outspoken activist. But they have a lot of this footage of these people organizing that's not the right word though, because a lot of people say that they weren't very organized. And so they started (laughs) other groups like the gay activist Alliance. And so you just have a lot of other groups that are starting up around the same time. Right. The gay activist Alliance, they had these firehouse dances for the community. And they said that there were a couple thousand people in there, like sweating all over each other and like, There were some drugs and some stuff like that. But I think that, again, they were making a space for people. And I mean, like, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, it looked super fun. And again, when I was younger, I would have been all into that shit. Now it just looks like a lot of people in a room that would make me claustrophobic. But yeah. Yeah, you would definitely smell smell like an ashtray after that. And nobody wants that anymore. So bad. No, yeah, 
Yeah. And we said last time that homosexuality was still classified as a mental illness. So, you know, like I said last time on one hand, it's almost a benefit to where you, it's almost an excuse. Not that people who are homosexual want an excuse, but at least to the other people who are anti-gay, maybe they'll ease up a little bit because maybe they'll understand, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. But on the other hand, there's a stigma, a new stigma associated, right? Not just being gay, but now you're also mentally ill for fuck's sake. So they started having more debates about it, trying to figure out what they could do. They have a hard time finding a homosexual psychiatrist who will debate this. They did finally find one, but he showed up in like a mask and a wig because he didn't want to lose his job because coming out as homosexual means you could lose your job. But they did actually make a difference because in December 1974, they say gay men and women went to bed sick and woke up the next morning instantly cured. So they made a change and it was no longer considered a mental illness by the psychiatric community. Right. And so this is one step along a very long line to get to equality. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To be seen as human and not just, oh, well, you're sick. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to think of it that way. They also discussed that women split off from the men who were being activists, right? Because the man or the men aren't often very progressive, which we've discussed, I think in the Jane's episode when the men was like, you know, let us tell you how you feel women. And they were like, no. (laughs) Well, and you would like to think that gay gay men would be a little bit more progressive, but they were still like, oh, honey, could you get me some coffee and bring me some cookies and you know, you just want to sit down and let the boys do the work. And the women were like, fuck you. We are also in this fight. We'll go fight over here. Right. Because it's still women's liberation. I mean, there's still that fight going on as well. There's a lot of civil rights. (laughs) Yeah. Still active at this time. Yeah. And there were, like we said in the previous episode, a lot of lesbians were part of that women's lib movement, but those women were mostly closeted because they didn't want to harm the movement by being outed as lesbians, which is kind of a double-edged sword, right? Right. Um, so they reported it being an amazing space, right? It's very supportive. There are a lot of like-minded people here. So you had the acceptance you probably never had in your whole entire life. However, the higher-ups in some of these organizations did not want to put lesbians in charge of anything because they felt like that would weaken their stance overall because that's kind of a whole different issue. And that is also not very accepted. And so it was really, I think a very fraught time. It was difficult to reconcile those two things um, within some of these. Yeah. I imagine for men, if you assume that all of these women fighting for liberation are just lesbians, you really don't have to get behind it because it doesn't affect your life and your wife and these heterosexual women aren't really thinking that way and they don't want to be liberated. They still want to be at home barefoot and pregnant and cleaning for you and taking care of you. So it makes them feel better about their life if they just see this as a lesbian movement and not a women's movement. Right. Right. Those are a minority. Sure. I like that they talk about the lavender menace would be the ruination of the now movement. And I'm like, (laughs) what a great fucking name. Lavender menace. Love it. How, how menacing is lavender? It's a calming, 
essential oil. It is a pretty color. <laughs> and right. I don't understand where that came from, but I like it. I did too. Yeah. They talk about Rita Mae Brown is kicked out of the, well, it's a national organization for women that I'm shortened to now. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of move back to some bit more unity. So in 1970, a bunch of people come together to march for uh, the anniversary of Stonewall, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty strong showing as 15,000 people and there's yeah. some amazing signs yeah. And they are really out there and calling attention um, to the fact that this happened and kind of celebrating that there was progress since then. Well, and they did mention that had they not celebrated this anniversary, they were worried progression would fall down, right? You have to keep this, mm -hmm. this riot, for lack of a better word, in mind to keep you moving forward because otherwise it'd be slept, slept, no, swept under the rug, just like a lot of other riots or movements became right so they needed to keep that right. momentum yeah i can't imagine the energy that's required to protest something like this is a young person's game right yes and i feel like you really have to have skid in the game because if you're willing to get arrested now protesting is a right but they uh, they have no problem arresting protesters because they're unruly or whatever, even if they're not. So you have to have that risk of being arrested and then possibly losing everything. So I feel like if you don't have... It's skin, admirable. Yeah. If you don't have skin in the game, mm -hmm. it takes a lot more effort. Yeah. 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 I like that kind of the idea that the cities are bringing people together. Um, San Francisco is still drawing people because they could be more free there. It was a lot more accepting. There's a fantastic man named Armistead Maupin, and he talks about the hippie culture is still apparent, right? So we're still in the 70s. And I think that that is helpful, right? Because the hippies kind of morphed into free love and, you know, all that kind of stuff is what they stand for. But in the late 70s, there begins to be a switch into more of a very hyper-masculine aesthetic among a lot of gay men, which may have been some pushback against some of that really defined effeminate stereotype. So there's a lot of interesting, um, really fun pictures of like the biggest mustaches. Yeah. A lot of leather. Jorts. A lot of leather. So much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like how they talk about like they have gay bathhouses. So Men can go, at least you know your partner's clean then, and that makes me happy. But the freedom of being with other men and not feeling... So one gentleman, um, I didn't get everyone's name, there are a lot of people, but he was, talk, he was talking about how just to be held by another man and not be afraid, not even in a sexual way, just in a comforting way, was just an amazing feeling because your whole life you're told this is wrong and horrible and you're judged. And in this environment, you're not, and you're allowed to be comfortable. And that made me feel so good inside because, and it also breaks my heart that, you know, your whole life, you don't feel that way until this one moment, but at least there was something, right? Right. We're not that far away from being um, terrified to gather people together to have a conversation, right? And so here we are in a space where it's safe to just be affectionate. I mean, that's hard. That's hard to think about 
that people had to deal with that kind of trauma. I'm sure it took a long time to just, you know, get out of that mindset. So, yeah, they have video of one young Bette Midler playing a bathhouse, the Continental Bath. Yeah, right. She looked amazing. Love that. All uh, like the rose. That's kind of the look she had going on there, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. What a powerhouse she is, too. Mm hmm. They do discuss some of the disco music, which would have been prevalent at a lot of the places, clubs, bars, that kind of thing. But it really had a different meaning between <laughs> being at the gay bars and being at the straight bars. And they play you some snippets and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I hear it now. Right. So pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. They talk about that kind of code that a lot of music tends to have that straight people will hear something different than gay people and you probably have the same thing for black and white people a white person will hear one thing where a black person will hear something else in music and so there's in all kinds of music there are codes like that and now I just want to talk to every single person and say what does this mean to you <laughs> when I hear songs right yeah right 100 percent the gay when gay women and men kind of realize they're separate cultures, right? So where men were mm -hmm. um, really focusing on having sex with one another, which is not all that they were doing, but one person commented it, it became less of let's change the world and more to let's get laid. I get it. That's a young people's game as well. But the women were like, maybe not. So they really wanted to come together and they made like underground newspapers and um, started little poetry readings and coffee shops and things like that and the men kind of had a little bit of that already right the, the what was that one was one of the major ones yeah it sounds stupid it was a magazine yes but I don't remember the name of that organization that published it the Mydekin the uh yeah it was something like that mm -hmm. I have it written down later but yeah they had already kind of started to publish some gay literature so the women are are kind of catching up now and and really having their underground stuff for themselves right. which is pretty cool Rita Mae Brown talks about writing her first novel and no one would publish it because of course it was a novel about being a lesbian I'm sure it was called Ruby Fruit Jungle and a small group, a small publisher decided to take it on and publish it. And I didn't look her up to see how many books she's done, but I'd be interested to read some of her work just to see what it's like. And I think that's so interesting because they have talked a couple times in these documentaries about kind of an explosion of lesbian themed literature. And so it's not like this is new. And I find that really interesting that we kind of keep circling these issues like it's okay. It's actually fashionable and back to it's like has to be done in the underground. So I just find that very interesting that we cannot get any, it's like one step forward, two steps back is the whole of the 1900s. And into the 2000s now. Yeah. It's the same thing, right? You mm -hmm. make a little bit of progress yeah. and then someone comes in and says, we don't want you to have progress. And so everyone gets shoved back. Right. It's fucking ridiculous. It is something else. Then we kind of switch topics a little bit and there's a lady named Barbara Smith she's talking about even within the women's movement there's some racism so it seems predominantly white women don't believe that white women and black women can work together yeah but I understand to a certain extent why black women black women wouldn't want to work with white women I don't understand the other way around honestly 
but I understand black women are fighting for multiple things at this point. They they have multiple issues. They're women, they're black, they're lesbians. Fuck's sake. Is there anything else that they could, that could shove them down further? Right. Right. So it's a different fight than white lesbians would have. So they kind of form their own groups and start their own organizations and collectives and feminist groups. And I mean, do your thing, man, do what you got to do to make yourself happy. Fuck other women. Or, I mean, they are fucking other women. That's what makes them lesbians. I mean, you know what I mean? (laughs) Delightful. Yeah. A hundred percent. During this time, there's very little positive representation in media for black women. So I think that's another way to keep people down is to like, well, you're not even important enough that I would add you to any of these publications. Yeah. Right. And so, and one of them even talked about like the professionalism of an Afro versus straight hair versus locks versus, and I'm like, when are we going to get over this conversation? We're having this conversation still today. Please let women just wear their fucking hair. Like they want to wear their hair. If it makes them happy, who gives a fuck? I just don't understand how one is deemed professional and one is not. They all look amazing. And diverse. And it's interesting. Yes. A hundred percent. Let people yeah. just be, wear their fucking hair. It's just hair. Calm down. Right. I did find it pretty fascinating that there's a lady named Judy. She's a music producer. And she's talking about women are starting to perform everywhere. So these movements are giving rise to little pockets of independence. And now women are performing vocally, musically, what have you basements and then moving into larger venues. And there's a lady named Tori Osborne, who's talking about going to see somebody named Chris Williamson. And I don't know who that is. I don't either. She sounded like a folk singer from what I could hear. Right. Yeah. Right. So she held a concert in Vermont and evidently this was the concert to end all concerts because women were leaving their husbands. People were talking about they'd never seen an all female concert before. Like in the 1970s, like there hadn't been a female concert nope. before. That's crazy. To I'm going to stop you though, because think of the fucking late nineties with Lilith Fair came out and they were oh. like, what? And these were amazing women that were told that, oh, we can't possibly play more than one female song an hour. We already played uh, Sarah McLachlan. We don't need to play this other female artist. We can't also add in the Indigo Girls. Like, no. oh my God. No, not in the same day. So, you know, that was one thing that Sarah McLachlan and others came together and they're like, listen, we're going to prove to you that we bring in money. We are marketable. People want to fucking see us. And that was one festival that I never got to see in the 90s. And I'm so disappointed. And I think part of it was because people made fun of it to the extent that they made you feel bad for wanting to go. Even though I loved all these artists, they made you feel bad for it. Well, and they discredit it too, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know. And they were sold out shows everywhere. Yes. But yet they were like, oh, well, they're not. Yeah, it's nothing. It's, uh, mm-hmm. ugh. I'm very disappointed in myself for, for not going to those. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they'll bring it back. <laughs> I hope so. But this is the beginning of that, right? So these are women having concerts together. They have a festival in Michigan that's women. And unfortunately, only other women show up. I think it would be positive for men to show up and see that women can do these things, but fuck them, whatever. We do this for us anyway, right? One woman was talking about, it's not just 
the show you're going to see. You would see women opening up these spaces to other women and supporting other women, helping those with handicaps and making sure that they had a way to get to see the show, to hear the show, to have a sign language interpreter or something. And so you see these women helping other women as opposed to pushing them down or discrediting them or whatever. And that was really the magic of it, even more so than just female musicians which apparently was amazing and rare and didn't know we had that skill. I don't know. I saw a thing the other day online and it said, um, the fastest way to burn down the patriarchy is not to use other women as kindling. And I really like the way that was said. So this is a real demonstration of what you're talking about. Like, let's not push each other down. Let's support each other. And what a group of women can accomplish together we're the greatest force in the world. I'm so excited to see what Gen Z ends up doing. They are just monsters in the oh best way. <laughs> God, they are going to change this world. I love them. Yeah. And I love that they are ready to take on everybody and just fucking destroy it just to build it back up. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It'll be fascinating to witness. Mm -hmm. So moving on, we talked to Reverend Troy Perry. And he has a back, uh, Baptist background, but he ends up founding the Metropolitan Community Church, which preaches acceptance and is a religious space that welcomes gay people. And that is revolutionary at the time, because what all the gay and lesbian people are hearing from religious leaders at this time is basically like, hey, you're a sinner and we can't have that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And at some point in time, we'll find and cover the documentary that talks about that particular bit in the Bible that was not in the Bible before the 40s. It was a lovely translation that was added in at the request of others. So, yeah. Yeah. 1946. If yeah. anybody can find it, let us know. Because I even looked for it today and I didn't see it. I know. I can never find it, but I know it's out yeah. there and I know I want to watch it. So it's probably a reason we can't find it. Have you thought about that? <laughs> right. We need to yeah, pirate that terrifying. shit. All right. Who's good yes. at the dark web? I don't yes. even know where it is. I don't know how to get to it. So I'm not the person to find that. Yeah. Maybe it can be used for good. Yeah. So in 1974, we meet Elaine Noble. She ran for seat in Massachusetts state legislature. What was interesting is she gets obviously a lot of hate because well, she's a woman and she's gay. And how dare she run for a powerful position? That's not okay. But someone scratched lesbian on the back of her car and it was misspelled. It was spelled lesbian. Right. <laughs> like, like a garbanzo bean or something. And like, if you're going to vandalize someone's car, at least fucking spell correctly. Come on now. I agree. You really lose a lot of the moral high ground or whatever you're trying to do. If your grammar is shitty, right. like, you can't spell. I can't take anything seriously if you say things like must of instead of must of, which is a contraction for must have people. Please don't put must of. Don't do it. Right. She also gets a lot of mail calls, requests from people around the country who want her to solve their problems. And she's like, I can't solve your welfare check issue in California when I work in Massachusetts. Like they didn't seem to understand, but she was 
the only representation they seem to have. And so they kind of glommed mm-hmm. onto her. Right. Which is good and bad. Yeah. yeah. So she's the first, right? So now people know that it's possible. And we're going to expand from there. You may have heard of Harvey Milk. He's the city supervisor in San Francisco. And he had to get through four tries before he makes it. Um, We did talk about somebody who had run for city supervisor in the last one and was defeated. But Harvey Milk is one of the statues, like um, supports a column or whatever of gay liberation. Like he's been very outspoken. He was at the time. So. Well, I think part of it is because he was openly gay. Yes. And was a face for the movement, but then he was also assassinated, which is horrible, but it also keeps him in the public eye and it makes it a point to say he was assassinated because he was gay. Fuck off. Come on now, people. It's, it's unfortunate. He was very outspoken and pillar of the community is what the word I was looking for. I got all of the other words, (laughs) but not pillar. So uh, column works. Oh, so terrible. I promise I'm smart. And then 1975 time magazine um, has the first gay man on the cover. It is Sergeant Leonard Makovich. 1977 Miami passes the first, uh, they were the first Southern city to pass a gay rights ordinance, um, which feels pretty good. The hag Anita Bryant (laughs) comes on the scene and starts Save Our Children, which, oh my God, does that sound familiar? Yes, thank you. They always use that fucking bullshit rhetoric, and it's exactly what it is, is bullshit, because they don't give a fuck about kids, but they know that that's what it takes to, to get people to be afraid, right? Oh my God, if they're targeting the children's. You know, it's moral bad. panic. Mm-hmm. That's what we love. Mm-hmm. Under uh, kind of a theme under all of this is there's consistent violence against gay people. Mm-hmm. There's consistent, obvious <laughs> discrimination. That's the word. <laughs> John Briggs has the Briggs Initiative in California. And the idea behind that is if a teacher is gay, then they can be fired according to Proposition 6. For some reason, they equate gay with pedophile, and yet the majority of pedophiles are, quote, straight, at least the ones that get arrested all the time. So let's calm down. But I think that's, again, the propaganda machine that Mm -hmm. instills that fear in you because, you know, we got to save the children. (laughs) So, yeah. California voters do defeat the Briggs Initiative, November of 1978. Harvey Milk led a celebration through the streets of San Francisco. And then 20 days later, he was assassinated. Towards the end of the 70s, they kind of realized they need national representation. They, this local bit everywhere isn't quite doing it. So they marched on Washington, right? That was their first march on Washington. Yeah, and it was quite an event, right? Yeah, it looked like it. It looked like yeah, it. it really did. Okay, so now we're going to move into a dark part of this documentary to which we talked at the beginning about things that I remember. This is one of them, and this is the AIDS crisis. 
starting small. This was called the gay cancer, right? I mean, it was pockets of gay men becoming ill. It was ignored. I, you know, I don't really know what else to say. Um, there was a ton of fear of this illness. Also, there was a fear of loss of community. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, because they had discussed they had come so far to be able to be out in the open and to to be around each other. And now the fear, since it was a gay disease, predominantly, they hadn't even linked it to intravenous drugs yet. I don't think it was just predominantly a gay disease that, yeah, the community would dissipate and you would lose that. So Ronald Reagan, who was the bringer of all the evil in the world, he didn't agree with the gay rights movement as because they wanted him to say that their alternative lifestyle was okay. And he just couldn't, couldn't. He is the bringer of evangelicals into politics. This is where it starts. Well, I think he had Jer Jerry Falwell, the Rev, Jerry Falwell behind him whispering in his ear, right? And that's, he's associated with the moral majority, quoting fingers. Can we also say that when he was a governor or some kind of state representative or whatever in California, they actually were one of the first ones to make abortion legal and okay it. So he wasn't always this horrible person. He just became this way because that's, I mean, they bought him, right? He was easy to buy, apparently. So, right. And for whatever reason, still to this day, conservatives love Reagan because I think when he deregulated everything and fucked everything up for anybody else but a white man and they made a lot of money off of him. Yep. I think that's sort of the hooks they had into him. But um, yeah, this is, I think almost every documentary we've covered, he's been the devil. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't even say AIDS for many years. Like, because if you don't say it, it doesn't exist is essentially what it comes down to. It's not their problem. They don't have to deal with it. Right. And he was a big opponent. He was tough to take on because I think even at the time he was pretty popular. So, but we do still have gay culture growing, right? There's boy George's, George's, <sighs> boy George. And I really don't want to hurt you. I'm sorry I said it like that. Um, boy George. <laughs> There's a lot of books on gay histories and sort of, I think, trying to get the message out that gayness isn't new. Right. I love that, that it's not just nonfiction <laughs> or it's not just fiction that's being published now. Mm -hmm. It's nonfiction saying, look, we've been here forever. Calm down. We're a very tiny amount of people, but we can make a difference. So shut the fuck mm -hmm. up and sit down. I hope is what the book said. I haven't read it, any of them, yeah. but I hope that's what they said. Harry Hay makes an appearance in this documentary. Yeah. Another pillar of gay rights. He starts something called the Radical Fairies, and it's a communal farm for men. It looks like a total delight. It's a hippie commune from heaven you know, for gay men is what it looks like. And it's the Mattachine Society. That's what he started. That's what you're, yes. Yeah. Mattachine. Okay. Um, there's glitter. There's fairy wings. There's <laughs> joy, delight. Right. What's not to love. And 
can I say that Harry Hay, I love him so much. He just seems like the chillest dude. Yeah. 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 And a great pillar or column or support system of whatever you want to call it of right. the gay community. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. he's just there to prop up others and help his community. Um, lifelong. Right. Mm hmm. I mean, he's the one in the first one who was telling us about what it was like to be gay in the 20s. Right. The 1920s. Right. He's like a thousand years old in this one. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> but he still looks amazing. He's got great jewelry the whole time. Yes. he. Oh, so good. And you had mentioned earlier that we had groups forming within groups. So there's a Lakota woman. Her name is Better, uh, Beverly Little Thunder. And she is creating community for Native lesbians. And that, again came with pushback from people in her community who said that you should go and make ceremonies for your people elsewhere. And I, I can't imagine how difficult that would be. So good for her. Right. Yeah. I like to see that because she had said that was why she was afraid to come out. She's afraid of getting banned from the ceremonies to which they really did. Mm -hmm. They were like, Nope, sorry. We don't want you here. Go right. do it with your people. So she right. did fuck you all with your own goddamn right. ceremonies. Exactly. Mm hmm. Um, in 1983, the National Coalition of Black Lesbians and Gays was determined to participate in the 20th anniversary commemoration of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech in Washington. Right. However, some of the sitting congressmen were like, no, we can't have gay and lesbians representing this very prestigious event. But they negotiated and they finally got Audre Lorde to be a part of the program. And Coretta Scott King also came. She did a press conference to call for an amendment of the 1964 Civil Rights Act so that it would include sexual orientation as a protection. Girl, she's a, she's a fucking power. I love her. 100%. In 1982, the first gay games were held in San Francisco. That looked like it would have been a great time. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was international. I didn't I either. Until really... you saw yeah, like, the signs really cool. in that. Yeah. Right. Um, but this is also the time where we are starting to get waves of deaths from AIDS, right? So AIDS hits really weird. Like you can have it for a while and not be sick. It's an immune disorder. So you end up dying from pneumonia or something that would normally be fairly innocuous. But at a certain point, people just start dying in droves. I read an article one time. And I cried while reading it like a fool in public, but it was a gay man who was listening to um, a young gay couple on a train talking about something. Um, but for him, it was a memory like, oh, you have it so easy now because he was talking about how every week he buried a friend. Yes. And it was just heartbreaking. And this is heartbreaking too, when they talk about how many people in the community died from this disease because no one wanted to talk about it no one wanted to deal with it because they didn't feel like they had to deal with it like a proper epidemic because it was just gay men being killed so they just felt like they were thinning the herd right right and they brought it on themselves i mean that's Absolutely. something we haven't really necessarily said there's no help there's no empathy um larry kramer talks about having a meeting for a doctor to come and explain to his friends that the illness was spread through sexual contact. And I think that was a really difficult thing for them to hear because, you know, here they had 
worked so hard to be able to have community to, to build that. I mean, that felt like freedom to them. And then to be limited in this way was really difficult. Um, David Mixner talks about gay doctors began clinics for AIDS treatment because nobody else was treating people. And to die of AIDS, you waste away. It is a horrible uh, way to die for people. And then also to know that you are hated on top of this. And fear. It was brutal. Fear being spread at this time. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't drink a milk out of a milk carton that someone else drank out of because they had AIDS. And the reality of it is it is not easy to catch even through right. sexual contact. It is not very yes. easy to catch. But I think in our lifetime, they don't talk about it here, but living in Indiana, especially Ryan White, mm-hmm. he was a young kid who got it through blood transfusions because he had hemophilia, yes. I believe. And yes. so the fact that he was a young kid, he was not a gay man that you could just throw away. Mm-hmm really brought light to the fact that it affected more people. And he was very public about making sure you knew that you didn't have to be afraid of people who had AIDS because imagine you're already right. sick and you're dying and you're shunned, but now people are afraid to even touch you. I can't imagine. And so this kid helped move that along a little bit, at least. Right. You were afraid to shake the hand of a gay person you know, those are very common social things that we do and people were held away and it's just the worst. And I totally agree with you when it became part of the heterosexual sphere of whatever, that is when the government and everybody else got involved. So your hemophiliacs and and things, people that were getting it from transfusions, even I think drug addicts probably got more sympathy than gay people. Yeah, I think Gia, who was a famous model, one of the first supermodels, and she was a heroin user and she got AIDS through shared needles. So it's once it becomes part of the normal population, then they're like, oh my. I mean, it happened with polio too, right? Polio affects very few people and very even fewer of the people who contract polio get paralyzed or dis- have disabilities from it. But because it affected young white children, they did something about it. So Amy Hoffman discusses the women's health movement influenced gay and lesbian organizations. Women were working on independence over their own bodies and that AIDS actually united lesbians and gay men, right? So lesbians showed up for their gay counterparts um, because somebody had to support these guys. And so I I love that that's something that was able to be unified, I guess. And the fact that we as women and gay women as well are fighting for body autonomy and are fighting for these, being able to have control of our own bodies and health services. They're like, listen, this is the same exact thing. You're fighting to get health treatment for a different disease, but it's still the same fight. So we're here for you. And yes, we're going to help as much as we can. And I love that. Yeah. And these are organizations and activists who are also making sure that they're delivering food and covering rent for people. Because if you're sick, you can't work. So And your partner a lot of times can't work either because they are taking care of you. And I've seen that in in real life. 
you know, when a friend of mine got cancer, she had terminal cancer, her partner could not work because he had to take care of her and the kids. So yeah, this is a great service to help people. Yeah. A lot of humanity expressed, um, in a lot of these really loving gestures. This is the part where I just sobbed the whole time. It was just fucking awful. Um, kind of flipping back, we talked to Jewel and she's talking about black churches are really late to the party acknowledging AIDS and how it spread, which is really un- unfortunate. Renee discusses her brother traveling for services and treatment because locally they were unavailable to him. And I also think that it's possible that he wanted to travel so people didn't know, you know, that he had contracted AIDS. And really the information was not shared for prevention. So people knew long before it was well dispersed what caused AIDS and how you got the infection. They just refused to talk about it because it's indelicate, right? Right. They don't want to talk about sex at all. We are so prudish as a country, even now, that in the 80s, it was like, oh, no, we couldn't possibly. Right. So this leads us into pornography, which is we have talked about in the past, uh, the issue with it. So we have women who are lesbians come into terms with their sexuality and, and that will lead into porn as well. But then you have people who are like, well, this is just completely immoral and shutting, wanting to shut down the entire industry instead of shutting down any real problem we have with the industry, which should be violence against women or men. And they're just like, no, we need to shut it all down. We discussed this in Money Shot. It's bullshit. People should stop doing that. Right. So, and this is sort of where all the movement of safe sex came out. Like, um, but also there is no safe sex other than abstinence. That's what we taught to children. So they didn't know once they grew up how to protect themselves. Right. If you teach abstinence only, it's never going to work. It has been proven. It's just not realistic. Yes. It's been proven time and time and time again. It does not fucking work. So stop it. Right. Teach people how to be safe, how to be consensual with their partner. Those are the important things. Mm -hmm. There are many sex comes to Congress as it were, for lack of a better phrase. So the fact that gay and lesbian government officials can still be Um, fired if they are outed is fucking bullshit we have a congressman who died of AIDS I didn't get his name did you get it I didn't uh, no but because if you die of AIDS as a man you're essentially outed or if you have AIDS you're essentially outed which is something they discussed you can't really keep that to yourself much longer so this congressman dying of AIDS actually helped some others come out because they realized how short life could be. Why would you want to live a not true existence? Yeah. If you could die tomorrow. So this is, um, Barney Frank is, makes the choice to come out. Mm -hmm. I think partially because he knew that, you know, the writings on the wall perhaps, but also I think he wanted to come out as I'm going to be a representative for all of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so he always seems like a cool cat. Yep. Um, we do at this point get more backlash to homosexuality. The Supreme court upholds some state sodomy laws, which I would like to reiterate to you that sodomy means 
a lot of things. And, you know, we've always yes. kind of, yeah. And which I find very interesting. So anything that is considered out of the norm, basically can be considered sodomy. Yeah. Yeah. After that decision, those mm-hmm. in the community in the gay and lesbian community went to the Supreme court to protest like outside the Supreme court. And I hope it made those judges afraid because I feel like they get to sit there and make these decisions that have such an effect on our lives with very little repercussion. And I hope they were afraid. I don't want any harm to come to anybody, but I want them to understand this affects people right in a, in a negative way. I just don't think they give a shit most of the time. It's all political and they don't care about the actual people it affects. I always kind of consider the Supreme Court a bunch of dusty old white dudes that are really out of touch, right? Mostly, yeah. Um, But I think this is in the time of Sandra Day O'Connor and um, was Ruth sitting at this time? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so I mean, there there is some representation, so I think my feelings are inaccurate. But I also think a lot of this is colored by my current anger towards the court. So, yeah, it's not good. So talk about five years and 5,000 deaths into the AIDS epidemic. This is when movie star Rock Hudson dies. At the age of 59, he dies of AIDS. Which means AIDS finally makes the front page of the paper. But also, it was a shock to the older community because rock hudson was a movie star he was a man's man i mean he literally was a man's man but they didn't know that (laughs) they thought he was a ladies man because he had to he had to hide that and yeah or he would get fired i mean scotty taught us that if nothing else i know that's what i was gonna say like (laughs) we had the dirt on the fact that there were several people in hollywood who did not prescribe to straight normal sex life so Mm -hmm. yeah and he was a beautiful man oh yeah and I think it's hard for people to understand that beautiful people die so or that beautiful people could be gay I think we've come to terms with that now because we see a lot of really beautiful gay men and I'm like most beautiful people are gay good for you I know yes George Michael was a stunning man oh my god beautiful yeah, so many pretty, pretty gay people on men and right. women. And yes, I think we saw so many at the Pride uh, event yesterday. I was really, it was aesthetically pleasing to walk around. I would say it was a real joy to go to that yesterday. It was hot as fuck, but I really appreciated the just vibe of the whole jam. It was delightful. Yeah, I love the the feeling of freedom. Yep. Sweet, sweet freedom. Right. And there's like all kinds of stuff going on and it's all sweet and lovely and yeah, you know, go support your local pride. Yes. Do. It is so yeah. much fun. Get out there. So fun. And spend your money at local places. Yeah. Yes. There's everything. I got my palm red yesterday. It was amazing. And you bought dog treats from a lovely bakery and I bought ceramics and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I also got my palm red and you guys. I'm a witch. I just want you to know. Be careful. That's right, bitches. (laughs) That's right. We will hex you. So Rock Hudson's death actually 
shocked the nation, but also spurred a lot of straight people to join the fight with their gay and lesbian community. Um, so here's where you see a bunch of allies come in, which is good. One person had talked about, like I said, if you test positive for HIV, which is the precursor to AIDS, you're essentially outed. But do you come out defeated or do you come out fighting? And this is where you have a lot of people fighting, like Mm -hmm. legit fighting. This is when ACT UP was formed. And these people were willing to get arrested. They were willing to protest extreme protesting, for lack of a better phrase. It wasn't on a mountaintop, but think cathedrals in the middle of a a Catholic mass protesting. That to me is like, whoa, all right. Right. So it's taboo. I mean, maybe a minor taboo. You don't interfere with the church, right? It is sacred. Yeah. Yeah. But they did not take that stance. And I appreciate that because it was the church who was given you know, the gay and lesbian community, a lot of shit. So they went for straight to the source. Right. Well, and I feel like, why is it that we have to treat the church as sacred, but they don't treat anyone else as sacred or anyone else's beliefs are not upheld in the same, with the same reverence. So I'm like, fuck you. I don't give a shit at that point, you know? Right. hundred percent. I do like that they did some protesting in front of Broadway, which is a street in front of the boroughs welcome. Um, I think that's a company to protest the price of AIDS drugs. And there were a ton of arrests. But here we're starting to see that capitalism is fucking up everything because there are treatments. There, they, there are treatments for AIDS that are developed in HIV, but they are unavailable to a lot of people. And we still see the problems with drug prices now. So this is not solved. But I do love the fact that they were like, well, we can't get inside the building, but we can fucking shut this street down. And I love the creativity of those those folks at ACT UP. Right. They protested in front of the FDA. Fuck yeah. I mean, like you said, go straight to the straight to the source. They wore lab coats with bloody handprints on the back. You guys, it's the only time a lab coat is acceptable outside of the lab. This is okay. Um, they had signs that say silence equals death, which is true. That's a lot of the reason why this got as bad as it did is because they, everyone ignored it. Everyone who was able to do something about it, ignored it. And then it became epidemic. Well, it's just naive to think that if it's spreading through a human population at some point, it's going to get to the broader human population. Um, And I know that there's a lot of anti-intellectual sentiment then also now, but I, I just don't understand the argument for this. We know that this happens. Yeah, so. but people want to feel like they're protected. But right? I prayed, so I should be safe. Is that really what I'm supposed yes. to rely on? Okay. Jesus loves you more than your neighbor, which is why the tornado took that house out and not yours. You prayed uh, 100%. harder. I fucking hate that shit. So this is one of the things that I didn't remember. So, I mean, obviously I remembered AIDS and, and the mm. horrors of that. But I don't remember these major protests. I don't either. And they happened in mostly mm-hmm. cities. So I lived yes. in a smaller city in Indiana. Not smaller. Mm-hmm. I mean, compared to the one I live in now, smaller. Yeah. And the world was a lot smaller. You didn't have the internet. You didn't see everything you see now. The world was very small to your own little world, right? hmm I do remember 
like in 1987 when they do the what they call the Great March, which is their second mm-hmm. big march. I remember that. I remember the quilt, and even now that makes me cry to think about it. I cried when we I was watching this. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, they talk about the AIDS quilt. Mm-hmm. They talk about well, Phil Johnson, who's been again another staple of the last two documentaries that we've covered. He talks about making a panel for a fallen friend and like the representation, like how he kind of conceptualized it and how he made it. And I'm just like, I'm sure that that's cathartic in some ways, but how pissed off would you be to have to make those Mm -hmm. for the people that you loved? Yeah, it was, Mm -hmm. you guys, if you don't know about it, go up and look, go up, don't go up, go look up pictures Cause it was a panel per person or sometimes there was a couple who were together on a panel um, who both passed for victims of AIDS and it is acres and acres and acres and it's just laid out and people were walking around and it's just horrible because it really makes it tangible how many people died, right? Because you can say a number and it doesn't mean much, but once you see that, Oh, it it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a tough one. What would you say the best movie about AIDS is? I mean, Philadelphia is good. Oh, that one I cry hysterically at the end. Like sobbing, no snotting, the whole nine yards every time at the end I will cry. Right. This is not a pretty cry. No. <laughs> this is guttural cry. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's the one that comes to mind first when I think of AIDS movie. Um, Gia actually did a pretty good job of describing okay. it with Angelina Jolie. Sure. Yeah, it's it's not good. Dallas Buyers Club has got <gasps> yes. some. It's really good. And there's one called, it's something like The Unconditional Heart or something like that. Um, and it talks about the the non-recognition of you know, the eggs crisis and like, you know, Mark Ruffalo's in it. I'm not giving it, but it is amazing also. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just, I just wanted to say that because there are people who might listen to us that don't understand the terror of the AIDS crisis. And like I said, I'm just a white girl from Indiana. I mean, I was a kid at the time, but I, I do want to say that it was a horrible time. Um, for a lot of people. So I think we should be educated and do better next time. Yeah. And take care of each other. And let me say, I had a friend who was incorrectly told she had AIDS within the last couple years. Good Lord. And she didn't, it was, it was a false positive of some sort. I'm not sure that I don't remember the entire story, but for that period of time where she thought she had it, even now, where we have medicine that can make your viral load so low that you're essentially cured from it, it's still terrifying because it changes your life and how you can interact with others. Right. Right. So I'm glad she doesn't have it. I'm glad that she's healthy and she can move forward without this. But even in this day and age, it is still terrifying because it screws up your whole world, at least for a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I like that some of the conspiracies for the COVID-19 vaccine were that it, yeah, (laughs) that it had um, the HIV virus in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, that was a conspiracy because nothing strikes fear in the heart of people who are alive at that time, like saying you might have HIV. 
Now, uh, from a more practical standpoint, that would be a terrible virus to put in a vaccine because it takes forever to be effective and there's treatment for it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not like smallpox that will take you out quickly, right? It's, yeah. Right. But that's a fear-based message. Yeah. And uh, let's keep in mind that this really allowed the evangelicals to continue to bash the gays. Again, it was a gay disease. They were being punished by God. They really were able to push this forward. But they, they kind of encompassed lesbians as well. Because now they're trying to say, not now, at this time, they're trying to say, um, these lesbians want to steal your children and recruit you into the lifestyle. And I thought, what? What the fuck? But yeah, I mean, it's, it's shit they still say now, right? If you read a book that talks about being gay, then apparently you become gay. But none of these millions of straight books that gay people read has turned them straight. So I'm not sure why that logic works. But I mean, that's, again, the beauty of some of these arguments is you like ask two questions and it makes goddamn no sense. Right. You're talking about at this point, Leslie Newman's book, Heather Has Two Mommies. And she said, you know, I wrote it because I was talking to a lady and she was like, it'd be nice to have a, you know, book that was representative of my family to read to my kid, Um, which is a really sweet thing to be like, oh, I can, I got the words in a paper. I can make that happen. But the way it was politicized, I think, was unprecedented. And now we are still dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah. The books that are being pulled are ridiculous. And let me just point out that throughout history, the people who are banning books are never the good guys. Never. So, oh, Lewis agrees. I mean, he is an activist at heart. So I totally agree with you. I just kind of wanted to mention at this point, there was some footage of Pat Buchanan talking at the Republican National Convention, and they're packaging anti-gay rights as family rights. So it's all about protect the family, the gays are after your children. Jesse Helms, another political figure of this day who's a terrible fucking human being, mm-hmm. is, atta- is attacking the National Endowment for the Arts because... We can't possibly support gay people and art that's representative of what they're doing and stuff like that. So he can just fuck off. Now, some of these things kind of coalesce and we begin to see some different kind of activism. And I'm talking about the Lesbian Avengers, which is my second favorite name for a group of all time. Yeah, Uh, I want to talk to Marvel directly and make sure that they make the Lesbian Avengers as their next movie. These broads were out in kilts and like combat boots and they were amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Showing up with balloons and purple apparently is the lesbian color. I was not aware. I mean, I I like purple as much as the next person. So good for you. It's a great color. Lavender, as we've learned. But, you know, showing up with bands and marching and being like, teach us about lesbian lives, which I assume are just as dull as everyone else's lives. But, you know. Whatever. Let's learn that they get up in the morning and go to work like everybody else and cook dinner. Right. It's probably not nearly as eventful as the uh, Republicans and the Christians are trying to make it sound. Yeah. Yeah. So they show up um, kind of in protest to something that Mary Cummings said. She's a school board chairman in Queens, New York, and she's spouting off some dumb shit about there's never been 
um, a culture that accepts homosexuality. Yeah, that's and I'm like the Greeks, the Romans. I don't know. Like that's literally two in no time at all. So this rhetoric is incorrect and uneducated. And so um, the lesbian Avengers show up to do a community outreach at a school in her district on the first day of school. And it's amazing. It's marching bands. It's super fun. And like I said, they seem like badasses and I love them. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're wearing combat boots and a kilt, that that's badass, right? So badass. They talk about in the 90s, we have the younger generation continuing to protest, which surprised me, honestly, because Gen Xers, we weren't big on the protesting. We kind of sat back and let everyone else do the work. And for that, I am sorry. Um, but Queer Nation was there and they they stood up for themselves. Good for you. Um, we start to see a little bit more of an open lifestyle for gays in smaller communities and rural communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then we also see in response to that, more bills trying to be passed. Oregon tried to pass an anti-gay bill called Measure 9. It was defeated. But Colorado's referendum for Amendment 2 was passed. So it just depends on where you were, on whether or not these votes came in and they were passed or not. So you see the religious right trying to get the African-American community involved in their fight against gays. And to that, I'm like, fuck you. You don't care about them any other goddamn time. Let them make their own decision. Whatever. Right. And it was really manipulative, too, right? Because they had Reggie White, who's an NFL player for the Green Bay Packers. He's demonstrated a very anti-gay stance. He comes and he's preaching. And, you know, finally, I think they figure out that this is a bunch of bullshit because that is not voted in. They do not. They are not successful in rallying. Um, kind of the the black religious people of the time, right? So I think if you got Coretta Scott on your side, maybe just follow her. She seems to know what she's doing. She's an amazing, strong woman. Go that way. Uh, Yeah, I love that. Um, I wanted to mention at the time, we're kind of talking about these smaller, smaller legislation issues. Um, There's a really slimy dude. I did not get his name. He's from the Christian Coalition. And he's discussion, discussing that homosexuals, sadists, masochists um, shouldn't have special treatment under the law. So I think that's a really good example of how they are trying to paint the picture of homosexuals as deviants and stuff like that. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, there's not a lot of people talking about sadists and masochists at this time. It's uh, another taboo. And they're trying to lump all that together, even though there's really nothing wrong with any of that for consenting adults. So, yeah. Yeah. We get some small hope with the Democrat mm-hmm. president, Bill Clinton. You know, he starts off strong saying there's no them, there's only us, we're all this big community. He issues a memorandum that would lift uh, a ban on gays in the military, but immediately the Congress is like, uh, no, we can't have right. that. Mm -hmm. So he's talking to his political advisor, David Mixner, and he's like, maybe we just pull back on that for six months. And David's like, sure, absolutely. But in six months, I need your word that you're going to move forward with this, that this is where we're going. Mm -hmm. To which he doesn't. Instead, he issues the don't ask, don't tell policy, which on the surface sounds good. Like gays are allowed in the military. We just don't want to know about it. But Mm -hmm. it's fucking stupid and horrible. So yeah, David was pissed 
and then got arrested in front of the White House about a week after Clinton issued that policy. So, yeah, protesting, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, at this point, we have the third march on Washington. In some awesome things, RuPaul is now on the scene and performs. There's also some military themes in this, which seem to have mixed reviews because I think they're trying to say, yes, um, there's gay representation now in the military. So we're going to have, you know, some musical ditties and stuff like that. But also it seems like it's maybe more commercial and people don't really care for it. Well, I think a lot of the military folks that showed up were those who had been kicked out of the military for being gay. Mm -hmm. Right. So you also have Alan Schindler's mother speaks. He was a sailor who was murdered because Because, he's gay. Mm -hmm. And so she gets up and speaks. So there's some moving things that, you you know, are very visual representations of this is where we need to move forward. But it also Mm -hmm. became a very, um, like they, they published it all over the world. That publishes the word. They showed it all over the world. Thank you. Between the two of us, we'll get the words. Oh, so bad today, at least on my end. So they're talking about how on one hand it was, you know, a good march, but it wasn't as empowering for the people who went as it was in previous ones because they were focusing Mm -hmm. on different things on this march than they did the previous marches. So, you know, more people are seeing it and seeing the representation, but also the people who are actually there probably didn't feel as good about it. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know how you satisfy everybody, but this is a large event, and I think it's been memorable in the past. So I think maybe people went in with these crazy expectations, yeah, and it just didn't pan out in the way that they wanted it to. So that's a bummer, but right, nonetheless, we uh, we see that in Denmark, Axel and Eigel, Axel, I probably slaughtered those names, became the first legally married gay couple. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., gays and lesbians begin the legal fight for the right to marry. Unfortunately, Bill Clinton announced that he would sign the Defense of Marriage Act, DOMA. So you could get married, right? You could get your certificate. It just wasn't legally uh, recognized. So you didn't, you weren't entitled to all of the goodies that, yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what we're talking about is the fight to recognize those unions and kind of gain the good things about marriage. Let's also put into perspective for any younger people who might not know, or people from other countries who might not know, Bill Clinton was impeached for having sexual relations with another woman who was not his wife. So for him to sign the DOMA is so fucking hypocritical, just like most of the things that he did. Just going to say, yeah, he was not a good president. I mean, I think he did some good things. I think there were some advancements in women's rights. That was the last time that they took a look at support. Like if you like parental support payments to women, if you like get divorced and there's support for your children, Mm -hmm. that was the last time that was really evaluated and it was better. Like terrifying that we haven't looked at it in 30 30 years. years, Yeah. 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 I guess he did a couple things, but for the most part, he was not a good guy. Yeah. Um, interesting cat, that guy. Mm-hmm. In 1996, the Supreme Court ruled that Colorado's Amendment 2 was unconstitutional. So that's good. Yeah. We also, in the 90s, see a string of gay and lesbian stars or 
celebrities in the media, mm-hmm. right? So Ellen DeGeneres comes out on national television on her show. So that was a really big deal. Right. That she came out on national television. I can't imagine mm-hmm. how difficult that would have been. I mean, now it's been so long that we're just like, yeah, totally. Ellen's gay. She's married to Portia de Rossi, who's beautiful and stunning. Oh, for you. so beautiful. Yeah. Love her. But back then, and I remember it, I, I guess I didn't think much of it. I'm like, good for her, whatever. I didn't think much of it. But as the person coming out, that would have been terrifying. You might've lost your career. You might've lost everything. So they talk about gays become the favorite subject of Hollywood movies. Katie Lang poses with Cindy Crawford on the cover of Vanity Fair. So Katie Lang's a musician, right. amazing musician. And Cindy Crawford was a supermodel. So mm-hmm. good for them. Lesbian chic is all the rage. Right. Uh, the bird cage comes out and it's so good. <laughs> I think I want to go watch it again. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love Robin Williams in that. He plays. Oh, so good. Gay. So well. Mm-hmm. So then they move into um, talking about an organization called District 202. It's a nonprofit to support gay and lesbian youth. So unfortunately, families disown kids, kick kids out for being in the LGBTQIA plus universe. Um, not everybody is accepting. And so those kids have nowhere to go. Um, so this is sort of a organization that houses them and tries to help them, you know, with life. Um, they held a prom, which was adorable. Yeah. So everybody had dresses or tuxes and you got to choose what you wore, which sounds revolutionary and is unfortunate. So I liked that little highlight because it comes right before the discussion on Matthew Shepard, who was murdered in Wyoming for being gay. Not just murdered, tortured, tortured, and then left to die. It was horrific. Yes. I remember that vividly. I remember it now. It makes me cry to think about it every single time. I can't even fucking imagine. And, um, the only benefit from it was using this crime. His family really pushed to help improve the laws for gay and lesbian youth and even adults. Just like, this can't happen again. We need to protect these people. Right. And how strong you would have to be as a parent to do that. Because that just keeps it right there in your mind all the time. You can't even try to move on. You can't move away from it because it's always there as you're fighting to move these laws forward. So that's amazing. I give credit to them for that. Yeah, me too. We take a look at lesbian and gay rights around the world and sort of some of the progress that has been made Mm -hmm. in those areas. This kind of went really fast, so I, I listened to it a couple times, but I don't think I got all of it. So if I'm wrong, you can check me. It seems that in South Africa, gay rights are enshrined there. So they seem to be in the progressive in that way. Right. I'm like, that was post-apartheid, right? I mean. I hope so. I mean. Had to be. Yeah, they had some problems there, which I was like, it seems like you guys are <laughs> like cool on you, I guess. But maybe like resolve all of those (laughs) like yeah 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 um there's also some discussion about gay rights in taiwan 
um, a little bit more detail about gay rights and how far it's come in Australia, because we talked to the gentleman at the beginning who said you could be jailed, you could be forced to go through psychiatric treatment. They did have a couple of big moments. I think they said in, in 1978, they had a big riot of some kind, and I did not catch the name of it. But then 20 years later, there's a parade mm-hmm. and celebration, and it is something Mardi Gras. It just, okay. They just called it the Mardi Gras, but there, yeah, it draws like a million people a year. Right. And so I was really glad to see that they've come a long way, and um, you know that's really good. There's a group of people who form what's called Nightwatch. So this came out Mm -hmm. of watching your friends die from AIDS. And so I I did not catch the cat's name, but he said that he went to see a friend one night. It was, you know, the partner called and said, listen, this is it. This is the end. Come see him. So Mm -hmm. he gets there. The bed has been moved to the middle of the room and family and friends are just in a circle surrounding him. And they stay up all night, like as a vigil with this person Mm -hmm. so he doesn't die alone he dies surrounded by family and friends and so they form this group to make sure that as many people as possible will have people with them when they die so they're not dying alone and we all in theory die alone but you know what I mean you are surrounded by love right right his name I think is Craig Carmichael I know it's Craig I'm not 100% sure about Carmichael but I think that's who he is and then there's a blurb that they talk about how much death has been part of this um, movement, has been part of the activism, has been part of the history, and it's so unnecessary. It is. And let's talk about the fact that we're going back there. So we're not going back to AIDS per se, but when you pass laws to make people illegal for existing when you pass laws to say that trans kids can't get gender affirming care, what you're going to end up having is a lot of dead kids because that has been proven that that leads to depression and suicide. So that's where these laws are taking us. And, you know, we can do what we can to try to help these families and help these kids and and help push these laws forward. But in the end, these members of our, you know, government, don't care about the kids, clearly. As much as they use those words, they throw them out there and they say them thinking that's all it takes. But in reality, they don't give a fuck about anyone but themselves. I think it's so interesting too, because a lot of this is not affecting everyone. Like if somebody is gay or trans and you don't like it, so what? It has no effect on your life. No effect on your life. So let them be, who cares? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. You don't have to interact with them if that's your choice. I mean, I think that you're missing out on some amazing people, but yeah, you do you just don't interfere with somebody else. Yeah. So someone had said at the end of this documentary that the most important thing that gays and lesbians have done to change the world is to have come out of the closet. I thought, yeah, just seeing that, seeing people who will come out, seeing people who are open and out and living their lives as adults not just as kids, but you see that you can become a functional adult with a partner, with a loving family. I think that's important for the young community to see. Sure. You have a future mm-hmm. that you can make and yeah. and live an authentic life. I think that's the other thing we don't talk about is by removing people's choices, we're also removing their ability to live authentically and those 
feelings and stuff don't go away. They just don't talk about things. And what a miserable existence. Because I know as a parent, why would I want my kid to not live an authentic life? Because it, you know, of me, like, what kind of relationship are you going to have with that kid going forward? Jesus Christ. Well, these are people who will kick their kids out for being gay. And I cannot imagine kicking my kid out of my house, knowing they would have nowhere to go, nowhere to live if they don't have anyone. These kids are teenagers. A lot of times they're not of a legal age to sign a lease for an apartment. They have minimum Mm -hmm. wage jobs at best. You know, they don't have a, a car and you're like, that's okay. Deal with it. Right. Like you've made this choice because it's always a choice. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. With these people. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a choice, everyone. So obviously we're very, uh, we have strong feelings about this. <laughs> so it's tough. So let's end on a good note, shall we? There's been a lot of change in the last 30 years, according to this documentary, right? So 1969 to 1999, lots of, lots of change. So lots of positive momentum, lots of lessons learned. So there is some good going on here, even though the dark stuff is so dark. And the last thing they talk about is a need to make gay retirement homes. And they do that. So people have a place to go and be with like-minded folks and how comforting Mm -hmm. and wonderful that must feel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Because you want to be around friends and accepting people. Yeah. And that's really good for people. Like there's a lot of senior folks who are lonely and, by being able to be here and being among friends is good for your health. Love it. Can we also say that the highest rate of sexually transmitted diseases is in retirement homes <laughs> or senior yeah, homes? People's getting it on. Yeah, I love it. Word. <laughs> they don't have to worry about pregnancy. You do what you right? want to do. I mean, who cares That's if you right. get herpes at that age? Fuck it. There have been some things that have happened since 1999. We have, I'm not going to go through all of them. So, Just know that we have made, we, the royal we as a country, Mm -hmm. has made gay marriage legal. Thank you, Obama. They had the Matthew Shepard Act was passed in 2009, which is a hate crime law. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, it's most of the stuff that we move forward is now they're trying to move back. So it's hard to talk about all the things that we got when they're like, well... Maybe we shouldn't allow gay people to marry. And also, if you're of different races, you probably also shouldn't marry. And I'm like, oh, I don't think you've realized that this is not 1950. Yeah, I thought that some of these things were well established. Mm -hmm. And I guess when Roe fell, then everything was just on the chopping block that made the moral majority quotey fingers uncomfortable. So, yeah. Yeah. We could just go on for hours about that because I'm so salty. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Did you have an honorary errand this week? I do. Okay. I would like to say that one Harry Hay is my honorary errand because his statement necklaces and his just total vibe and look is so wonderful. I love him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. He is an errand. Yay. I wanted to nominate the lesbian Avengers as honorary errands. <laughs> Just because I feel like, uh, one, they look amazing in combat boots and skirts, but also Lesbian Avengers, that's the greatest superhero name ever. And just give them capes and they're ready to go take on the world. So, yeah, yeah. I love their style, right? Yeah. They're going to go and 
take a positive message that is really fun. And they're going to take them boots and they're going to stomp out anti-gay fucking rhetoric bullshit. That's what those boots are for. Right. The biggest souls you've ever seen. Yes. This was a good documentary. It was not easy to watch. There's a lot of information, but it was important to watch. So I think you guys should all go watch it. It's a good one. What are we doing next week? So next week, we're going to do a documentary called Disclosure. Mm -hmm. It's an hour and 47 minutes on Netflix, released in 2020. This is about the portrayal of trans people in Hollywood and in the media Mm -hmm. and how it's affected that community. Trans people are part of the conversation. Compared to the large population, this is a small number of people, but they have really been picked on for a long time targeted of all the communities to choose why target the smallest one ever it just is amazing to me i am excited to watch this one Mm -hmm. i think with the sentiment that's going on in our country right now that's anti-trans it's really important to have these discussions and Mm -hmm. paint people in a positive light so we'll see what they have to say about it with that we'll ask you to talk to us on instagram on twitter Mm -hmm. at go doc yourself um we have a website go doc yourself.com that you can learn more about us, you can contact us, and we will take recommendations, compliments, criticism. Just don't be too mean. Right. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.